Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In this week's update, markets cheer the growing likelihood of a soft landing next year in the US. The UK performed better through COVID than previously thought, and Beijing ramps up stimulus as investors turn their back on China. Goldilocks is back. A string of not-too-hot and not-too-cold economic data last week has convinced investors that the hoped-for soft landing for the US economy is a realistic possibility. That outcome would see the Federal Reserve succeed in reversing the post-pandemic inflation surge without causing unnecessary damage to the economy. Achieving that goal would be unusual for a central bank, which works with a set of blunt instruments for steering the economy. Most obviously, interest rates work with a variable time lag that makes it hard to know whether the right amount of stimulus or restraint has been applied. So, a reasonable fear in recent weeks has been that the Fed has squeezed too hard by raising interest rates from zero to nearly 5.5% in less than two years. Last week's data suggested, on the other hand, that they may have got it just right. First of all, data showed that the number of job openings was lower than forecast, an indication that the apparently red-hot US labour market was actually starting to slow. Then, at the end of the week, the non-farm payroll jobs data showed a slightly better-than-expected rate of job creation, 187,000 new jobs in August, better than the forecast 170,000, suggested that any slowdown in activity would be measured and manageable. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate edged up to 3.8%, again moving in the right direction for the Fed, but not so fast as to threaten a deep recession next year. So all in all, enough slowing to keep the Fed happy and not so much as to spook the markets. Well, the response in the bond market was positive, with yields falling to their lowest level in three weeks, but not so low as to imply investors are unduly worried about growth. Interest rates and yields appear to be settling at a new normal, higher than during the post-financial crisis era of emergency rates, but at a level that homeowners and businesses can handle. Yields on the interest rate-sensitive two-year bond are still higher than on the growth and inflation-focused 10-year bond, and that's often a sign of recession ahead. But for now, investors are choosing to view the economic glass as half full. As far as expectations of next moves for the Fed go, the futures market is now pricing a 93% probability that the central bank will leave interest rates unchanged in September. Markets now predict a pivot towards easier policy will begin in the spring in the US, with the Fed leading other markets lower throughout 2024. With a bigger inflation problem on this side of the Atlantic, the ECB and the Bank of England won't follow immediately, but the end of the cycle is also in sight for the European central banks. The stock market reaction was unambiguous. The S&P 500 index ended the week 2.5% higher, while the interest rate-sensitive Nasdaq index was 3.2% up. It's been a classic case of mixed, even bad news for the economy being good news for investors. Another way of describing the current market situation is that bull markets tend to climb a wall of worry. 
this makes intuitive sense because when there are numerous concerns for investors to focus on, there will be some of them stuck on the sidelines, ready to be tempted into the market and to push prices higher. The time to really worry about the level of the market is when everyone is positive because then there's no source of new investors and new money to boost prices. And there's certainly plenty to still be concerned about. Just this weekend, a consensus of economic forecasts for the world's leading economies was reined in from 2.4% growth to 2.1%. In part, that's because of expectations that a more robust economy means interest rates will stay higher for longer. In part, it's just arithmetic because higher than predicted growth this year simply pulls forward some of the growth expected next year. And in other parts of the world, the outlook is nothing like as bright as it is in the US. China, in particular, is marching to a very different drumbeat. Over there, the property sector, a key driver of overall economic activity, is on its knees as key developers, including the country's biggest, Country Garden, struggle to manage their debts. China is also suffering from weak consumer demand as the hopeful bounce back from COVID stalled this year. After three years of grinding restrictions, Chinese consumers have shown an unexpected unwillingness to start spending again. And until recently, the authorities in Beijing have been unwilling to provide the kind of economic stimulus that investors got used to in the wake of the financial crisis. However, that all looks like it may be changing as party leaders assess the risks of doing too little in a country where youth unemployment in particular risks stoking unrest. Over the weekend, Beijing announced policies to allow a dozen of the largest cities to reduce down payments for home buyers and to encourage lenders to cut interest rates on existing mortgages. The risk of reinflating a property bubble is now seen as the lesser of two evils when compared with the danger of allowing the property slump to continue. In a week that's begun with the US's Labor Day holiday, much of the corporate action is focused on the UK, with retailers in the spotlight to provide some insight into how consumer confidence is holding up. Halfords and Curry's report on Wednesday and Thursday, while WH Smith, whose focus is now on travel hubs rather than its rather tired high street stores, also reporting on Wednesday. Also in the spotlight here in the UK will be the housing market. Not only do we have results from a couple of the biggest house builders, Barclay and Barrett, but the Halifax House Price Index on Thursday will provide another update on the direction of house prices. Last week, we learned that those house prices fell at the fastest pace since 2009, according to the Nationwide Building Society. The average house price declined by 5.3% compared with a year ago, an acceleration of the rate of decline from July's 3.8% year-on-year slide. House prices are struggling to hold up in the face of sharply higher mortgage costs, which have seen a drop in mortgage approvals of nearly 10% between June and July. Well, mortgage rates are expected to remain between 55 and 6% for the next 12 months, and the future direction of prices will therefore hang on whether the UK's relatively low unemployment rate and high number of fixed-rate home loans can protect most borrowers from the full impact of higher rates. The really positive news about the UK, however, came at the end of last week when an unexpected revision of the official statistics added almost 2% to the size of the UK economy. At a stroke, the Office for National Statistics changed the prevailing narrative about the UK, 
that we'd failed to regain our pre-pandemic economic vigour and that we had underperformed our main European rivals like France and Germany. It now looks like the UK had regained its pre-COVID size by the end of 2021. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.